Sananya Tiwari this side and on behalf of Inactus Thapar, I'm extremely elated to commence our very first event of this Pride Week. And with this, I would like to introduce to you all Anish Gawande. Welcome Anish, it's such an honor hosting you. You're far too kind. Hello everyone. And well, I'm, I'm fine. What about you? How's it going? Everything? Fantastic. Surviving the Bombay monsoon. Uh huh. It has already, uh, yeah, it has arrived in Mumbai, right? It has begun. Uh huh. It's not yet in Rajasthan where I'm right now. <laughs> it's still very hot here. So, uh, well, for all, the, all those of you who doesn't know much about him, let me tell you more about him. Well, I'm really short of words in his billard, but let's start with, he's the director of Dara Shiko Fellowship and the Pink List, an organization which works to spread awareness within the community and for the intersection of all forms of opinion of LGBTQ plus community, right? So Pink List India is an organization that works at the intersection of LGBTQIA plus rights and politics. So we aim to make politics a part of queer rights and a conversation around queer rights to become an integral part of conversations around politics. That's, that's really nice. And uh, other than this, I've got to know that you're working on the intersection of language and politics in South Asia and Francophone West Asia. Like it's, it's, seems to be a global uh, organization. So All sorts of fun things. That's not a think list. That's my academic work. Oh. That's what I will be studying further as well at Oxford. Oh, I'm, I'm extremely sorry about that. I just thought they both are the same things. Think list is not global calm. We'll start doing Francophone Asia. And other than this, he has graduated from the Columbia University. And the best thing of all is that he is a writer. Above all, he is a writer. So, would you like to shed some light to this? Like, uh, have you ever thought of using this uh, writing, uh, writing, uh, you know, dimension of you to empower this community or something? So, you know, I always believe that writing is incredibly powerful. I think uh, writing has the potential to transform. Uh, for me, I love poetry. I think poetry is transfigurative, transformative, and absolutely uh, insurrectionary almost in its ability, right, to create a difference. Yes. So historically, poetry has been the site of change. Iqbal Bano uh, recites fairs in Dashtit and Hai and Hamdi Kinge, which became the protest anthem for the nation not too long ago and uh, for me poetry has always been a site of resistance, a site of change, a site to fight back against society's prejudices, right? And I think uh, I haven't done much writing in a very long time because it's been a busy, busy year, but this year actually I have a translated poem coming out, a beautiful anthology of queer poetry that has been published by Harper Collins and will be out later this month, which has been compiled by Akhil Katyal and Aditi Anitas really the world that belongs to us. Really looking forward to that. Some translation of poetry, some translation of poetry, particularly the poetry of someone like uh, Ramchandra Siras, who is a who was a professor at Aligarh Muslim University who uh, passed away in April 2010, uh, trigger warning, died by suicide and sort of 
uncovering what it means, right, to be persecuted for identity, to be lonely because of their identity, to know what it means to struggle with their identity, despite changes in laws, despite changes in the way society has transformed itself. So poetry is always a powerful medium for change. So as politics, so Pinkless comes in, poetry comes in with Barashiko and Kashmir, we do a lot of work with uh, art and culture in the valley. So hodgepodge. Like it's incredible everything that you're taking along. So Anish, while scrolling through your Instagram, while I was checking out your profile, uh, to while I was preparing for this talk show, I saw he okay. slash him <laughs> written in your bio. Mm -hmm. So what is the meaning behind you identifying yourself this way? He slash. You know. Um, Sure, we get a crash course for everybody at Enactus Thapa and everybody at Thapa and beyond. I hope all of you doing well on pronouns. So, pronouns are incredibly important, right? So, there are three sets of pronouns. One is, and more than these as well, but three ones that you should know right now that I can cover very quickly. One is he, him, for anybody who identifies as male. There's she, her, for anybody who identifies as female. And then there's they, them, for anybody who doesn't identify within the gender binary, right? So it's important to recognize that pronouns are an integral part of how individuals see themselves. And it's important to recognize that pronouns mean a lot for people, right? Because very often, because we live in a very transphobic society and a very sort of heteronormative society, you'll see uh, trans women who are women who want to be referred to as she, her, being referred to as he, him. In newspaper articles and media coverage, even within friend groups. So it's important to put your pronouns out there so everybody knows uh, what my pronouns are and we don't assume. Right? So put your pronouns in your bio, it's a great thing. It sort of shows that you care and shows that you're an ally to the LGBTQI plus community. That's such an amazing perception, seriously. So growing up in an Indian household, uh, did you ever feel suppressed or felt discriminated against for? How you choose to be identified? Like absolutely, and I think it's for all of us, right? We all grown up in sort of conservative households. I think it's been a journey that has required introspection because you know all our families, even if they eventually become accepted, are quite conservative to begin with because conversations around LGBTQIA plus rights are not something we've had. These are not conversations that our parents have had. These are not conversations that our parents have had. And so there is a stigma around the topic that really does impact how young children who identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer, go through. Right? And I think uh, for everyone watching, if you are in a home where you feel that it's difficult for you growing up, know that it gets better. And it got better for me. Right? I came out to my family in 2016, four years ago now. Uh, and they were incredibly warm and welcoming and receptive. And of course, it doesn't work that way for everybody else. But remember that sometimes they might be less accepting of their identities when they don't know enough about it. So educate your parents, whether you're cis, whether you're straight, whether you're trans, whether you're right. Like, make sure to have these conversations with your parents because you never know. You never know who might reach out to them who they might influence. It might be you tomorrow, it could be your little uh, uh, cousin, it could be your sibling. So always ensure that 
if you're queer, if you're part of the LGBTQI plus community, or you're an ally, have these conversations with people you love. Because that will ensure that kids who grow up don't have to face that stigma. Exactly, Anish, exactly. And uh, I have uh, realized that despite of uh, the legalization of Section 377, uh, there's still, you know, some sort of taboo and some, it's still not that normalized concept. People are still not, uh, for them, he, she, and the rest of the community. is It's like a different section for them. It's still not that normalized. I don't, like, around me, I don't still see if it's that. So, um, while you came up with this identity of yours and after which uh, this uh, section 377 was legalized, did you personally feel any change? Ki, pehle log aisa sochte the, ab aisa sochte hai, is Interesting Savala, because legal change is not always accompanied by social change, right? But legal change is important nonetheless. I'll give you an example of dowry, right? We've gotten laws against dowry very long ago, but dowry hasn't stopped in India, right? We've gotten uh, laws against a lot of things, but that hasn't prevented societal change from keeping up with the way the law changes. But I think it's incredibly important to have that law and have that self-confidence and have that validation of the existence of the identity. And that allows a movement to go forward just a little bit. Because when Section 377 was struck down, and when queer uh, relationships were decriminalized, we had the space to start conversations around LGBTQIA plus rights. And the time we started having those conversations is when we realized that other worlds are possible, that we can be accepted for who we are, right? And I think that's the beauty of that law change. But the struggle ahead is long, the road ahead is long, and it's going to take a long time. But I think we've made a small but significant mark in our struggle towards equal rights. Definitely. Uh, so, seeing to your attachment with this community, I just want to ask, what does this community mean to you? Like, so, community to me means love, right? It means pride, it means protest, it means uh, fighting for everybody's rights. It means a celebration of equality and a fight for equality. And so for me, being queer, uh, being part of the LGBTQ plus community is a reminder every day that it is my job to fight for the rights of every single person, regardless of caste, class, religion, sex, gender, sexuality, ability, and to say that uh, this is a fight against all forms of oppression, against casteism, against Islamophobia, against homophobia, against transphobia, against ableism, which is discrimination against those who are differently able. And it's, we're all in this together. Definitely. And that's what, to me, community is. And this one large umbrella that we all fit into that. So, uh, I just, I'm curious about one more thing that, uh, what made you like uh, stumble upon this idea of uh, starting uh, Pinkless and uh, the collective curate, uh, the collective you curate for? Mm -hmm. So Pinkless India actually came about as a rather personal journey, right? Uh, growing up, I never thought that I would be able to come out and still work in politics, right? I was always afraid that if I came out, then I would have to leave all ambitions of working in the political space behind. But what was really lovely is that after I came out, when I was at university abroad, 
Um, and I'd almost given up the hope of coming back and making any difference in the political space, is that I managed to get an opportunity to work as a political consultant on the 2019 books of high lectures. And I said, well, I'm an out gay man. It's going to be very strange to be in politics, which is already a very male-dominated, very patriarchal, very regressive space, right? If you've ever okay. been on a campaign trail, it's, it's uh, not exactly the most LGBT-friendly space. It's not even the most friendly for women. Um, but I said, you know, let's take a chance. The worst thing that can come out of it, I'll write a book. So I said, chalo, I'm dekhenge. And I came back. And I realized that along the way, the support for queer rights came from the most unexpected spaces. From Raju Shetty in Hatak Mengele, a rural constituency in Maharashtra, who said that if I fight for farmers' rights and I don't fight for LGBTQI class issues, it's hypocritical. From other individuals who didn't need the limelight, right? And who were fighting tirelessly out of this belief in equality. And that's where the idea of Pinterest came about because so far, politics and LGBTQI plus rights have been kept in two separate boxes. And I said, well, we need to be thought of together because it's important for the queer community to be involved in politics. And it's important for politicians to hear our voice because they represent every single individual. So that's when we started with three of us. Today, it's two of us leading Pinterest India, Smriti Dera, who is the design genius, who is our sort of creative, uh, creative head and me who does all the content declaration. And initially we came out with a list that said, here are politicians supporting LGBTQ plus rights who are contesting the looks of our elections. This year we've launched something incredible. It's called State of the Union. It is India's most comprehensive archive of politicians' views on LGBTQI plus issues. So it's got a large interactive map on our website, pinklistindia.com slash pinksabha, where you can go and type in your address and see whether your MP has spoken up on queer issues. Where you can see what your MP has said in LGBTQIA plus rights. And so this is something we're invested in. We're invested in holding politicians accountable, saying that they have to fight for our rights, and saying that every single politician needs to make LGBTQIA plus rights a part of their identity and their agenda, because it's 2020. And if you're not supporting equal rights, you're behind the curve. And this is legit incredible. Like, you're just clubbing both the things, uh, politics and this, these rights together, would turn out to be such a great step. Even though today, then few years later, the way we are going to come up with uh, all of us together as just human beings rather than he, she, or any other community. So this mm -hmm. is incredible. This is legend appreciable. So, uh, could you talk about some politicians in India who have always stood for the removal of British colonial laws prohibiting interactions between same-sex individuals? Okay, I have a problem with this. Because we British colonial law and forget that we are also homophobic. We are also transphobic. We can't blame everything on the British. This is not that easy. We can't play this so uh, one thing is that section 377 was a colonial relic, right? So it was a Victorian law that needed to be removed and it came with Victorian morality. But we have to remember that even though there were some references to queerness in Indian mythology and sort of in the Mughal courts, for instance, and in Sufi poetry, it wasn't a great space to be queer, right? Like queerness was always treated as something different. It was always treated as something uh, 
uh, Atrangi, it was always to do something outside the fringes of the mainstream. And so it wasn't paradise for queer people before the British came either, which we need to remember. Now, of course, after the British came, they introduced Section 377 and made homophobia sort of more institutionalized. A couple of politicians have stood up against them. I think uh, some of them include Shashi Tharoor, some of them include Supriya Sule. Uh, there's around 30 of them. So go to pinklistindia.com slash pinksabhai and you'll find out. Um, and a lot of them have sort of continuously stood up against. What I will say though is that although some of them have opposed this law, there have been more dangerous laws that have been created in the last few years that are transformed. So I don't know if you've heard of the recently passed Transgender Persons Protection of Rights Act. So it was passed last year and the entire transgender community has come out strongly against it because it's a rights act that says it's supporting the transgender community but it's actually oppressing them, right? How does it do that? There's a trigger warning here, okay? So all those rape and um, uh, legal frameworks for transphobia. Now, the Transgender Rights Act says that sexually assaulting a trans woman or a trans person is punishable by six months to two years in jail. In Indian law, currently, sexual assault in a woman is punishable by seven years to life in prison. Right? of discrimination. And, and rape is rape, right? Yes. How can you say that transgender persons are second-class citizens? That any sexual assault on a trans person is less punishable than that on a woman. Are you saying that you should rape trans people instead of women? Is that the message that we're getting out? And this is a should they see transphobia law, right? It's passed by Indian politicians in post-independent India, in an Indian parliament in 2019. So we can't blame the British for this. We can't blame the British for this. It's also a law that says trans people need to go in front of a district magistrate and strip to prove that they're trans, which is atrocious. Does anybody ask you to prove that you're a woman or me that I have to prove that I'm a man? How can we accept and expect trans folks to go through this? So we've created discrimination structures through our own politicians, through our own societal structures, right? So we are equally to blame. So British colonial law, yes, but how many are going to stand up against this? Should they see Indian transphobia? That's what I want to see. Yeah, basically the problem is here. Not the Britishers are not to be blamed. Definitely, yes. Not only to be blamed, they are also to be blamed. <laughs> but it's very easy to say, "Ha, sirf wo gaye aur uske baad sab theek ho." What have we done to like bring this down? That that's exactly. what sounds to me. Exactly. So, uh, I don't know if you know about this or not, but we have planned an event uh, tomorrow, that is 19 June, uh, Pride Ellie's. And how much according to US trips to impel and at times coerce pride awareness in India and globally? Mm -hmm. So, allies are important, right? Because it's all our job to stand up for equal rights. It's not just the job of the LGBTQI plus community to stand up for equal rights. All of us need to do our bit. And in that, you need allies, right? Uh, so what is allyship? Allyship means somebody who doesn't identify as LGBTQIA+, but supports equal rights for the LGBTQIA community. Now, important thing is, what are the characteristics of a good ally? One, being supportive, 
but not hogging space, right? Allowing LGBTQI plus people to tell their own narratives instead of making it like a passion project. Mm-hmm. You know how Bollywood celebrities make like one thing their project and they're like, ha chalo, isko project bana diya. You know, somebody will make mental health their project, somebody else will make environment their project. As a good ally, you will never make LGBTQI plus rights your project. Being a good ally means standing up for the community, supporting the community, but letting the community lead the way. Like not using their names yeah. for like just their own purpose and not coming up like ah, we are doing ah. this for guys. Not beating your own dhol tasha. <laughs> so, um, the second good characteristic is that an ally will never pink wash. So what is pink washing? A pink washing is when people use the language of LGBTQIA plus rights to appear cool or woke or progressive, right? Companies do this all the time. It's June. So they'll all have rainbow filters on their logos and they'll put up rainbow stories for their posters. How many of these companies have policies that ensure same-sex partner benefits for their employees? How many of them support employees who want to transition, who identify as trans and want to go for gender affirmation surgery? How many of them will hire members of the LGBTQIA plus So it's not enough to just use LGBTQIA plus rights as a PR stunt. You have to actually walk the talk. So this can also be done by politicians. Uh, for instance, in, um, in Canada, the Canadian... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I just wanted to add, like, it's not uh, what you do in just the month of June that matters. What counts is also Correct. what you do for the rest of the year. The rest of the year exists. Yes. Um, and so politicians are part of pinkwashing as well, right? So, for instance, Canadian ministers uh, in 2012 said that we need to protect LGBTQI plus rights in Iran and therefore we need to invade Iran. Now the reason they wanted to invade Iran was for oil, but they said, nahi, hame LGBT ko The irony, they were part of the conservative party in Canada which had opposed LGBT rights in Canada itself. So that's a form of community. Ah. And that's what Indian government is doing now as well, right? They're saying that we're so progressive, we transgender rights act. Internationally, we're saying transgender rights to the Ladaite. Which is opposed by the transgender community only. So, um, and it can be done by queer organizations as well that spread hate. After the Orlando shooting in 2016, there were uh, gay men from the Republican Party in the US who sort of used that horrifying shooting to spread Islamophobia and to sort of uh, increase hatred between communities and do this policy of divide and rule, right? So as a good ally, you should be able to recognize pinkwashing, call it out and ensure that you don't participate in it, neither does any organization that you support. So I'm looking forward to your event tomorrow. It'll be fantastic, I am, I'm sure. We'd love to have you as a part of the event. Definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how to put this into words, but I'm a bit curious about this. Like, uh, <laughs> did you know this from the very beginning that your uh, default settings are a bit different? I mean, we, I, default I, setting you can when did you realize you were gay that's i think the right uh, yeah right like when did that. you realize that uh, you were gay mm-hmm. so i think uh, one you should not ask this to a friend okay 
because you never ask straight people when they realize they were straight, you know. Yeah. So that's a that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. But I think to me, I realized when I was thirty, and I think that uh, it was sort of very early on I realized that. I wasn't into women. I like men. Uh, I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I was very clear in my head that I had no problem with it. What kept me from coming out was this idea that if I came out, I wouldn't be able to pursue the profession that I wanted to pursue. I wouldn't be able to be a lawyer or a sort of public policy analyst or a politician or into any of these fields. So for a lot of us, uh, coming out is a very complex process. Right? And I think it gets negotiated in many ways. Um, so yeah. Realized long ago, it took me till until nineteen to come out. Six oh, years. That, yeah, like so. Till then, your parents and your friends used to like wonder that you're a straight. Yeah, they really thought I had lots of girlfriends. Yeah, if I had lots of girlfriends, then I would go far. Could you be further away from That must have been easy. That must have been easy. You know, just to like, okay, uh, if you take my example, I'm from a very conservative family. So if I hang out with a guy, my parents will be like. Uh, um, but if I hang out with a girl, they ha- they'll have no problem in that. They'll be cool about that. So till till a certain age. Oh. <laughs> I see. After that, after that, they'll be like, "Shadi kab Okay, so that's where the real problem arises, and that's when you have to like come up with this. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh. final question question final question questions are like edit just check my phone so now uh One thing is how can we all start standing up for each other? अच्छा तो how can you be a good ally is a great example that I want to point out a little bit. So last year in August, when the Indian government did the abrogation of Article 370 in Kashmir, there was a large communications blockade and a curfew that was imposed. अभी इस इसके साथ उन्होंने propaganda बाहर डाला कि Article 370 was removed. That's why Section 377 was also removed, which was a lie. So they said we removed Article 370 to ensure gay rights in Kashmir. Abhi, I've been working in Kashmir for eight years with Darshan Fellowship, etc. I said, "Kya bakwas? Kya bol rahe ho?" So I wrote an article saying, "For queers in in Kashmir, there is no gay liberation." The reason I said this is because we don't often understand the repercussions of so many actions for queer people, and we don't take them into consideration. Ye jabi communications block ke shuru hua aur kafi bhi shuru hua. There were thousands of young queer people across Kashmir who lost any form of safe space. You know, for young queer people or for queer people in general, the internet is often the only safe space. Their homes are not safe spaces because their families are not accepted. They often don't live in neighborhoods or areas where they're accepted for who they are, and so they turn to the internet. And most of us come out on the internet. Most of us find friends on the internet. And our mobile phones and our sort of privacy is what keeps us safe and allows us to be ourselves. And when that's snatched away through things like a communications blockade, that is a human rights violation and an attack on queer identity. So 
So I wrote this piece and what was magical was that a lot of people in Kashmir read it. And because it was in the Times of India, right next to Shobhari. And that's what happens when you're next to Shobhari, people actually read what you read. The Sunday Times of India piece. So a lot of people in Kashmir ended up reading this and a lot of queer people ended up reading this. And queer people said, we never thought about this and the Kashmiris said, we never That year, a lot of Kashmiris turned up at the Pride Parade in Delhi. And a lot of queer people turned up at the protest for Kashmir in Bombay. And so automatically, allyship by bringing together people who are fighting for each other's rights. And that's the way to build solidarities. That's the way to build movements forward. Because all of us, we have to fight for the rights of the differently able. We have to fight for the rights of those who suffer from mental illnesses. We have to fight for the rights of those who face casteism or Islamophobia. We have to fight for the rights of those who are not as privileged as us. And only when we all come together with all of our different marginalizations, the feminist struggle and the queer struggle and other forms of struggles together, that's when we'll be able to make a difference. And at the next I want you all to think about this. And I want you to think about how you can bridge your different identities because we're stronger together. And because when we come together, we create a coalition that will be transformative. And that will be the coalition that young India will build. And that will be the coalition that throws away all of these ideals that have been inherited down the years by us from old foggy politicians who know only divisive politics and who can only talk about hatred and will create a future where we can truly build a country that we can be proud of. So thank you very much for having me, Ananya. It was an absolute pleasure. And I'm very glad that Enactus has created this platform. I wish you all the very much.